Welcome back to Recorded Conversations, the podcast that's dedicated to compassionately considering all perspectives while engaging in authentic, connected dialogue. I'm Danielle Kingstrom. Hello, 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 lovely listeners. I have such a treat for you today. So a couple weeks ago, I discovered my next guest on TikTok, and we kind of speak to the same vein of accountability, self-awareness, and authenticity for relationships. And I came across his videos, and there was just so much that he was saying that resonated with me. And again, it's on that same vein of where I'm at about why men matter. And why we need to talk about men's needs. And I know that's hard for the ladies to hear because for the last 20, 30 years, it's been all about women. But I think somewhere along the way, we forgot about men. And we pushed men into a corner and we've labeled men as predator and victimizer and enemy. And so I just have a natural appreciation for men who are confident and accountable and aware, but also are willing to stand up against the prejudices And the bullshit prescriptions that are lurking out within all of the messaging out there. So I had to get him on my show. I had to get him up here. And I had to have a conversation with him. Now, we disagree on some things. And that's okay, right? The point is, disagreement never needs to lead to division, right? And that's what I appreciate about Justin. So Justin is a host of the podcast called Don't Panic. Check out the show notes if you want to link to his podcast site. And you can also find him on TikTok. Username is Don't Panic with Justin. I'm just super excited for episode 107 entitled Men Matter. And what we do here within this conversation is we address things like trigger words, buzzwords, uh, the assault of buzzwords, and the overuse of psychological terms. And he gets a lot of his influence and inspiration from Jordan Peterson. So Jordan Peterson is going to come up quite a lot within this conversation. I love some of the things that he touches on about how we create our own dragons, how we are living in a world where we are covering all the sharp edges, and how we have all turned into emotional hemophiliacs. Giving you warning, this is a pro-men podcast, okay? This episode is dedicated to understanding why men matter, and to addressing some of the issues and conflicts that men are reeling with within their romantic erotic relationships. So without further ado, please compassionately consider the perspective of my guest, Justin. Enjoy the episode. So 
Um, hello, Justin. Thank you hello. for joining me here on the podcast. I'm so excited to have this conversation. Uh, me too. Just me too. For a little background, we we came across each other's TikTok videos and kind of connected over that because I I feel like we're we're talking about a lot of the same things in the same vein as far as relationships and accountability and reflection. Um, so if you wouldn't mind, I, I did hear you're, you're recently divorced. So yes. would you mind talking about that story? What led you to divorce and then what led you to hop on a video and share all your wisdom with everybody else? Well, I wouldn't call it wisdom. I would say personal <laughs> experience that I hope that connects with somebody. Um, so I met someone when I was 22, very young. Um, we, we got together and the relationship was really, really good at first. Uh, four years into the relationship, we got married. I thought it was a good time to get married. Uh, as soon as the marriage happened, though, it was like they changed. Like they were not the same person. Um, it was just a lot of me carrying the weight of the relationship on my shoulders, uh, trying to initiate conversations, dates, intimacy. And I was constantly being ignored. Um, I tried reading books on how to understand them. Maybe I, I looked at myself and thought, maybe I'm the problem. Maybe there's something wrong with me that's making them distant. So I did a lot of self-reflection. Um, actually, what was going on is they met somebody else and they did not tell me. Um, and they were planning to leave for a very long time because I wanted to have children. I wanted to move to a different city. I wanted to just start a family with them. And they found out they didn't want that. Um, so we got divorced after that. And um, during that time, during the, before the divorce ever even got finalized, I was making videos on my main account that almost got banned. Uh, it had 16,000 followers. And uh, just really trying to convey a message of a man's needs in a relationship, they matter too. I, I think there's a lot of people who believe that, you know, happy wife, happy life. And that's true in a lot of aspects. But what about the husband? What about their happiness? And um, just encouraging men not to be with someone who does not care about their needs and that doesn't think about them. So that's, yeah. what, that's what really started it all. Um, that yeah, that hits on a talking point that I find to be um, really speaks to people is this idea that men don't matter anymore. Right. And so for me, I, I would say for, I'd say the last two years, I have intentionally worked at, uh, especially within my relationship practice and on my podcast, what I write about on my blog is focusing more on men, right. And kind of bringing back that idea that men matter because it seems like, and I will totally put this on, um, the wave of feminism, especially the wave that kind of interrupted everyone in the seventies that really kind of honestly fucked with a lot of people mm -hmm. fucked with our ideologies, fucked with our ideals about relationships. And what I've noticed, I would say in the last 10 years, especially is like men have taken the back seat, and that is all because it needs to be that way in order for women to be equal. But what has ended up happening is we've put women's feelings first and women ahead of everything. And then, uh, well, after women is, you know, the, the queer in the rainbow community, and mm -hmm. then, you know, men are like, you, you don't exist. Well, unless, unless, unless you're not white, then we'll give you a little bit of consideration. 
And I have seen this just moving across our country and it's, it's appalling. And Mm. to the point where if you defend men or if you talk about men's needs, I am met instantly, right? As a woman who is addressing this, I am met with, what about women? What about women? Right. And I'm over here, but what about our men? And when you look at the suicide statistics, you can't deny that men overwhelmingly uh, unalive themselves more than women do. Although I did see a recent study that suggested the women's suicide rates are increasing over Mm. the last few years. Um, So both for both men and women, that's a serious issue that we need to focus on. But men are overwhelmingly what we got men going their own way. We have men saying they're never going to get married, that they're done. You, you have men on TikTok who are heterosexual, who are like, screw the women, me and you, bro, me and you, let's do this buddy bromance, partner up, we'll be best friends forever, right? And I'm like, this is a legitimately valid new development that you can't even knock on men for anymore. Um, so yeah, it's just really fascinating. So I, that's what I appreciate about your, your channel, especially, and you are very aware and very accountable of like, I recognize some of the things that I might've not done in my relationship. And so you speak to that and it seems like men love what you have to say. Um, and so we need more content like that. So I just, I just want to put that out there. I, I praise you for what you're doing. I can imagine it's easy. I bet you get a lot of hate, especially yeah. from the ladies. And um, uh, actually I'm kind of surprised by the support of women. Um, oh, congrats. I don't have that so, kind of support from women. Well, you will get there. You will get there. Um, <laughs> Um, the manicured mom really, I don't know if you're aware of her content, but she's, she's very pro men. And, uh, you were speaking on the note of suicide, um, with men. I was on that road. I went to therapy for that. Um, I was made to believe that I ruined the relationship, that it was my fault. Um, through therapy, I found out I was a product of my father and my father was a man who worked constantly. My mom Uh, who's not a very good person um, abused us when he was at work, but he did everything. He did all the cooking, the laundry. He was a servant. He was a a slave to my mother. Um, And I kind of learned, you know, when she wasn't happy, things were chaotic, right? So when I started dating, I wanted to do everything possible to prevent that. So I did the work. I did the cooking. I did the cleaning, the laundry, paying the bills, staying on top of everything. And I just wanted my wife to be a princess that never had never had to lift a finger. I didn't want them to uh, feel any stress in their life. I wanted them to be content. And what I did was I emptied my cup when their cup was overflowing. That's what I found through therapy. Um, I was with a narcissist. Um, they did not care about my feelings and my, my dad was with the narcissist as well. So, and I look a lot like my dad. So me and my dad joke that we were just in different timelines that we're just the same person. Just, uh, something happened. A wormhole happened. Um, so yeah, it took me a lot to stay alive. I was drinking myself to death. It was, uh, I put all my value and worth in, what a woman thought about me because if I didn't have a woman, I was weird. Like my life had no meaning and uh, through therapy, through self-discovery and talking to people on TikTok, um, it, It's really helped me see a new thing. And the manicured mom 
which I give full credit for. Um, watching her videos, um, yeah, I, I stopped drinking to the point of not being able to function, and I just started moving forward. Um, it was it was rough, but now I'm at a place where I'm completely fine. Like I'm happy everything happened the way it yeah. did. Um, it was lopsided, very one-sided relationship. That seems to be very common in relationships nowadays. Sorry, yeah. I want to adjust my game here. Um, that seems to be very common. And actually, just to pop back for a bit, um, that feeling, that that low point where you were feeling like you didn't want to be around anymore. So my son went through that last March, just mm. this year. He tried to kill himself. And um, it was because the end of his relationship. And I see that that's what men are doing. But when we backtrack a little bit, the messaging out there tells men that if you can't get a wife, that you're basically nothing, right? You are, you are relegated to an incel or something must be wrong with you, or you must be a pedo or a pervert or something like that. And so like oh, yeah. men have this extreme standard. And if they fuck up in that standard, it's like, I'm going to be a loser. So I might as well take my own life. Right. And right. I mean, that was the mindset behind my son. He just felt like he couldn't win in life if he couldn't keep love. And, I, you know, I just really appreciate you being willing to talk about that because that is such a sensitive topic mm. and, and it's hard to talk about, but it's a reality that men and women are facing in, especially this country is that, that low feeling where we have so many prescriptions and expectations and conditions be inundating us. And it's so overwhelming to the point that you will believe if I don't do this and this and this and this and this, I'm not worthy and my life has no meaning and why am I here? And I think a lot of what, and this is what I appreciate about TikTok too, right? Is real people can talk to each other and talk them out of that path, right? Yeah. And, and help yeah. here shine a light on a new path for you where you can go and you can repair and you can heal and you can find what you're looking for. And so, yeah, um, so just really appreciate you being able to speak on that vulnerable topic. Um, I've been watching a lot of your videos um, just to kind of get a feel of like what you see out there as activations. And, and I came across this concept too, not just through you, but through a lot of different forms of medias. There are trigger words that are specifically designed to set people off yeah. and turn up the activation and turn up the hate. And I'm, I'm wondering if you're noticing the same thing I am. It's right now. It's the psychology buzzwords mm -hmm. seem to be the trigger words and seem to be the easiest label to affix to men, right? Um, mm. Toxic masculinity, deficient in emotional intelligence, right? Um, all this attachment theory and, and attachment style stuff. And it's, I, you know, when you look at the field of psychology, the reason these terms come to be is to try and explain something, but mm. what ends up happening is it trickles into the mainstream and, you know, the words begin losing meaning, right? I, I, I just recently read this article, um, psychology, the, the field of psychology and the experts are like, you people are using the words too much. They're losing meaning. Stop it. You don't even know what you're saying. Yeah. Self-diagnosing. Um, Self-diagnosing. But here's the weird thing, right? It's like people want to either give their partner a diagnosis or they themselves want to diagnose themselves to be a part of the diseased, 
dysfunctional, depressed, I have issues community. Have you been noticing that too? It's like people want to align yeah, themselves there was with a, these labels. Uh, when I was growing up, there was even a romanticizing thought about uh, bipolarism. Um, it was a trendy thing to be bipolar. And I said, that's an affliction that people suffer with. And it's not fun. It's not something that you can just wear out on the town and have people notice it. It's something that really hurts people. Um, and avoidant attachment styles and just all these buzzwords. It is, I do see an upward trend of people saying, well, if I can diagnose myself with something that's out of my control, then I can make excuses for my terrible behavior. And that's not the case. Um, I think it's people trying to avoid consequence and avoid accountability. Well, I mistreated my partner because I'm an avoidant attachment. No, you're just not mentally mature. You have the choice to treat your partner with decency, but you choose not to because you watched a TikTok and then you became convinced that you had this affliction. Um, it's disgusting to me to, to self-diagnose yourself. If you haven't gone to a doctor or a therapist and had this diagnosed, you should not be calling yourself anything. That's very yeah. irresponsible. Yeah. I think we do the same thing too. I notice this more predominantly with women, especially just from my practice. Women like to call every man. They have an issue with a narcissist and everything he says is gaslighting. Right. And yeah. if he does something nice, it's love bombing. And so we take these diagnoses and we think somehow we're an expert, right? The, the ladies do this mm -hmm. and I'm guilty of it. Right. I I've called a couple people, a narcissist. I'm not entirely sure if they are. I don't have that kind of background to diagnose. Um, but it's so easy to just pick up and launch a word at somebody mm. simply because we're in a disagreement, right? And this, this trickles outward, right? The reason I'm bringing this up is because our preference to do this and our habits in doing this really trickle outward. And it reveals a lot about our inability to interact with people. Like mm. we cannot interact with people unless we have, you know, an arsenal of all these word weapons that we can throw at people in the event that they disagree with us, or we start feeling something while we're mm. talking to them, that must be their fault. And even going to the point of this creates, I think this creates trolls, right? This creates those mm -hmm. hateful, vengeful people who are out there trying to police and censor everybody else. First, I'm going to throw my word weapons at you. And, and they essentially become like Karen's and, and they, and <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a growing trend, like to be a bitchy, complaining, labeling troll to people. And it's just more and more popular. And I think, okay, so we can look at the social media paradigm and recognize that for most of us, it does have some sort of negative influence on us if we're not aware of what we're doing, right? If we're not responsible about our usage. But you know, a few years back, I read this book called The Narcissism Epidemic, right? And these experts were almost dumbfounded at the fact that you know, it used to take a long time to figure out if this person suffered from a narcissistic personality disorder. But now you can see this growing trend where we're all kind of little mini narcissists in a way oh, yeah. be because we're so offended by someone else's opinion or by someone else's statement. And that affects our relationship ability, right? That 
affects our emotional intelligence more than anything is our inability to sit with a divergent view without being reactive to it, right? We we don't know how to be responsive anymore. We're just mm. reactive trolls. And I mean, I wonder, do you see that happening too? Uh, do you notice that like uh, through commentary on your podcast or even through your TikTok videos or even conversations in real life? Do you see that happening where you're like, I almost don't want to be around people because it's like people can't handle a simple discussion. Well, it, it's the the generation who claims to be the most empathetic are not. Um, no one can put themselves in somebody else's shoes and try to think, okay, what if I was going through that? Or what if somebody was doing that to me? How would I react? And I always form those questions when I give advice about relationships or sex. It's that, okay, you need to think, how would you feel if you were being denied constantly? Or, or how would you feel if you were being told everything you did was the bare minimum? And it's, it's like, it doesn't click. And it, it is a true symptom of narcissism to not look at somebody else's feelings and take that in the, into consideration. And I, uh, it's, I, I mostly see self-serving. I see self-boasting um, where people just want to appear like they have it all figured out, where they have their whole life put together and they know the answers. I know better than you because I am this. When in reality, when that camera turns off, they're a disgusting mess like the rest of us. None of us have it together constantly. We're, it, life is the search for the answer. And sometimes you never get the answer, but it's a continuous search. And just seeing these people interact together with, with all the confidence in the world, thinking what they're saying is correct, when it's, they could not be any more wrong. I mean, they have it half right, but my opinion is if you have something half right, you're still wrong. So don't speak confidently about something or try to diagnose people because it fits your narrative. Um, the moment I realized that I could be in the wrong, it, it changed everything. It changed how I treated people. I wasn't a saint. I wasn't an angel when I was growing up. When I was a teenager, I was very full of myself. Um, but growing up, and just experiencing bad treatment towards myself. Like that's how I learned empathy and it sucks. I had to learn it that way, but um, seeing it become popular and get millions of views and people are like justifying their bad behavior because of other people, it's everyone else's problem, not mine. That's very discouraging to see. Oh yeah. It's, it's cool to be cruel now, right? Like yeah. being nice is so underrated and it's, everybody's all about how many mean points can I rack up? I love what you, you, you brought up that term bare minimum. Mm. I actually had to use it the other day. And mm. I even gave this caveat, right? I was having a little, a little bit of a, a heated discussion with my husband and I said, look, I hate even using this word, but I have to use this word, right? It's bare minimum, but I've been seeing this word everywhere. And I, I remember seeing some funny meme, like takes you, flies you to Paris to propose bare minimum, right? Like that's, that's the level we're at here, but this bare minimum word gets thrown around and I can't stand it. Right. I think people need to be more conscientious of the words they're using. Right. I read I read the, the, the four agreements, the fifth agreements, Don Miguel Ruiz, right? The oh, number thanks. one rule 
is to be impeccable with your word, right? We're intentional mm. because the heart speak, you know, the mouth speaks what the heart is filled with. Mm. And I think about this bare minimum and I think why, what happened to appreciation, right? Even if it is bare minimum, like, right? Bread and butter. What happened to appreciation? It would, we are more comfortable with complaining and acting ungrateful than trying to maintain an attitude of gratitude, right? And Mm. so let's pop back to your previous marriage. You were doing everything, right? Mm. Was, Was she grateful at all? I mean, did she ever say thank you or I appreciate you or I noticed you do all this for me? I like it. I thank you. I appreciate it. Or was that bare minimum to her? It, it, she never said the words bare minimum, but yeah, like if, if I took her to a city and stayed at the Marriott for the week and took her to concerts and took her to nice sushi restaurants and stuff, she was happy, but it, she was only happy because she was experiencing it. If I wasn't there, she probably would have had a better time. Mm. Um, everything that I did was not taken not seriously, but it, it just wasn't appreciated at all. Um, and that, that really built resentment to me. Cause I'm like, I'm kicking ass right now in life. I went from being in poverty to making more than my friends who went to college mm-hmm. and I'm giving you this life and I'm doing it because I love you. Not because of any, for any selfish reason, like I'm giving myself to you constantly on a day-to-day basis. And I was denied intimacy. I was made to feel gross for wanting it. Uh, I was guilt tripped, told that, oh, that's all you want. No, I just wanted to connect with my wife. And it was just very discouraging. But I started the bare minimum conversation and it had on my original channel, it had like over a million views. Um, And there was women attacking me saying like, that is the bare minimum to pay the bills and and have a job and take care of your woman. I said, to say that's the bare minimum really irks me because if women are independent, which they are, if someone's doing something for you that you could have done yourself, that is not the bare minimum. If someone makes your life easier and, and takes the burden of working, providing all this stuff, they're making your life less stressful and that is never the bare minimum and you should say thank you there was women who said uh they were trying to misconstrue what i'm saying is saying oh you just want a sex slave you just want a woman to just bend to your will i said i never said that i said a thank you tell your partner thank you and they lost their ever loving minds they they this entitlement Mm. where appreciation has gone out the window i'm gonna touch on what you said And I know why it's gone out the window. We live in a self-serving society where everybody wants to be a YouTube star, Mm. where everyone wants to live that Kim Kardashian, LeBron James life when that's not realistic. And everyone thinks that they're owed something. You are owed nothing in this life. You have to fight, scratch, and claw to get to any, any place. It's hard for everybody. So if you have someone that can provide you a life where you don't have to do much except live, you should appreciate that. Uh, the fact that it's not appreciated, it's hard for me not to yell and scream, but I try to stay calm because I'm a ginger. If I yell and scream, I get all red and it's not pretty. So I have to keep calm. 
No, I feel you on that. I, I, I see the same thing. I think about once a week, right. I'm like either with my oldest son who, who lives with us now. He's, he's about to be 21. I, I love talking to him, right. Because he can see a different angle of society and he's emerged in a different kind of like block of it. But mm. we both come to the same conclusion and everybody has so many expectations and they are so entitled. And I'm like, you know, growing up, nobody ever told me life was going to be easy. No one told me life was going to be fair. No one ever told me I was entitled to justice or equality. Right. And that wasn't my parents giving me a bleak outlook on life. This wasn't because there weren't equal rights for women. I was born in 1980, but my parents did not want me to go out into the world thinking I could just open up my hand and people would just give me whatever the fuck I wanted. Like you have mm. to work for shit. You have to earn shit. Right. And, and in, in intrinsically drilled into my head was an attitude of gratitude, right? Like be grateful for whatever the fuck you get, because you might not even get tomorrow. Right. Mm -hmm. But this is this constant um, entitlement era that just keeps booming and booming. And then, you know, the plus side is these people aren't repopulating at high rates. So anyway, um, but sure. that is, that's, what's going on. Like everyone just has this expectation, right? And the thing I hate about expectation is that for me, that is like giving the reins to the ego. When you just walk around expecting everything it, that you're an ego and you just, you, you have a pompous superiority complex going on where like everything should just be handed to you. But we all come into this world naked and afraid and without anything. And those of us who are born to parents that make sure we don't die, you know, that's not always the best environment for us. You said you, uh, you had a crappy mom. I did too. I had a horrible mom, wretched bitch. Um, <laughs> but I'm actually grateful for what a wretched bitch she was, because I feel like it made me who I am today. Right. If it wasn't for Same. that, I wouldn't have developed my, my ability to empathize with other people. Right. And so sometimes, I mean, I know people don't like to hear this. They'd rather go, no, you were oppressed. You're a victim forever. But <laughs> I came out of this bullshit and I feel like it made me stronger. And it, 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 it put me on a trajectory to the path where I am today. So I'm always I have a very weird mentality too, though, um, you know, and I think a lot of it comes from just theological and Christian influence is I see everything as a gift, every single, even all the bad shit, right? Everything is a gift for me and whether I wanted it or not, I got it and I'm just going to receive it. And it's like, people would rather than have that mindset on life. Cause, oh my God, is that mindset so rewarding because the things you can mm. manifest for yourself but everyone would rather be a victim, point to all the oppression, all the systems, all the people, blah, 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 all the people that did me wrong, did me dirty. And this is why I get to be a vile, wretched, horrible human being that hates everybody and nobody deserves my love. And I think, what is that doing for you though? Right? You're lonely. You, you end up becoming these lonely trolls that go hunt on the internet for anyone showing an ounce of happiness. So you can shit all over it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's like, don't you want more meaning in life? Don't you want, don't you want to connect to people in life? And instead we have, nope, nope. And I say, these are, these are prescriptions of an agenda that are intentionally designed to set us all apart, to divide us, to disconnect us and to make us be egocentric. 
And I bet you see that too, right? There's so many different disconnecting influences out there. So many different systems designed to tell us we're better divided than united. You mm. see that too, right? Oh yeah. Uh, people create their own dragons. They, they, they want something to point at because the hardest thing you can do in life is take that finger and point it at yourself. Self-reflecting is brutal. I had to come to terms with so many things I was doing wrong and not to other people, but what I was doing wrong for myself, what I allowed other people to do and to admit to myself, man, you got it wrong. You made the wrong decision here. What are you going to do to move forward? Um, and also a symptom of that pointing the finger, trying to blame everyone. What they're trying to do is cover all the sharp edges in life. But if you cover all the sharp edges, you create a person that's very dull. Um, there was a person, uh, I forgot their name. They said people have became emotional hemophiliacs, the smallest inconvenience, the, the, a word that is offensive to them can shatter their whole entire being. It, it will cut them and they'll bleed. Um, and I was raised, I had a good grandmother and a good father. And my grandmother taught me um, love and compassion and forgiveness. She was uh, raised Methodist. So she taught me all that stuff. And my dad taught me how to be a man, uh, to love, to protect, to provide all that stuff. And I've taken both of those things and applied them to my life now. Uh, I wish I would have applied it earlier, but I was a young man. I was dumb. Um, but I just seeing the people who refuse to battle something for themselves. They want to battle other people, uh, but they want their opponents to have no advantage. They want them to just bend to their will, just give up and just do what they say. And it's, I want to blame the parents for not instilling something better into their children, but even the best parents uh, cannot change a person how they're going to end up and what they're influenced by outside of the home um, that's that's so true right then yeah. i mean just for me right for me and my husband especially we we totally parent differently than the way we were raised right and i would say even in the beginning i might have done a little bit of helicopter parenting but i learned from that thanks to dr shafali and conscious the conscious family right and the awakened family and all of her work on that um <clears throat> pardon me. But that's the one thing that was really hard for me to admit. And my ex and his wife, when my son attempted his life was we all immediately went, what did I do wrong mm. that that happened? Right. And I had that thought and I went, we're not doing this shit. I'm, this mm -hmm. isn't my fault. I didn't do this. Right. Right. And my husband and I, we got to the point where we were like, this wasn't on us. This was his choice. And we have to be there for him to heal. We've provided him with the tools, but like, you know, when you get low, you don't always think about the tools you have. Whereas my ex, well, his wife didn't give really two shits about nothing about it, but his, mm -hmm. my ex, my son's biological father, he made it all about himself. Do you know what this says about me? You did this. This means I'm a failure as a father. That's you didn't terrible. listen to me. And I just thought, you know, and I, I was obviously emotional when I responded, but I'm like, do you want him to try this again? Like, what are you doing making this about you? Like, this is about our son. 
But that's the point that it gets to. I think in society, what happens is, especially with parents, we, if our children don't turn out this way or that way, we blame ourselves. We Mm -hmm. make it about ourselves. And rather than trying to address the issues to help our children figure out the path to go on, we're just going back to them and beating them over the head. Like, do you know what this is doing to me? Do you know what, right? Mm -hmm. Because we're emotional hemophiliacs as well, right? We mm-hmm. have to be so emotionally reactive to the actions that everybody else did that somehow it, it reflects on us, right? I see this mm-hmm. especially in the political paradigms, right? Where people will dig their heels so far into the ground to defend a position um, because they're so worried about it reflecting poorly on them if they don't defend it or if their side is wrong. We have all these different inundating influences that, 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 what are we left to do, but like literally just pour out our emotions? No, it's mm-hmm. teaching us to contain them. And I think that's the big miseducation of our society is nobody teaches us how to emotionally regulate. No one teaches us really what even emotional intelligence is. We only come across that kind of word when it's being hurled at us as an attack. <laughs> um, and w- w- like uh, specifically what I noticed, and this is why a homeschool is like nothing of meaning or substance is being taught in public schools anymore. Like mm-hmm. if we really wanted to set children off in a society where they had adequate tools and resources, we would be teaching relationship intelligence and emotional intelligence and emotional regulation. And we would be teaching each other how to have open conversations with each other without being so emotionally reactive to them. Um, I don't really see that happening. So sometimes I think, well, that's up for us to be creative out here in all of these different media platforms. And if that's what we want to help people understand, we will. Um, but yeah, I, I love that term. You use emotional hemophiliac. And I, I, now I'm sitting here, like I've heard that on somebody's podcast or something like Jordan Peterson or something. Uh, are you, I think it was Gavin McGinnis. He's had his own. Okay. Okay. Yep. He's Um, had his own run-ins with with cancel culture. And I actually, uh, Jordan Peterson, glad you mentioned him. Uh, oh, I, I love Jordan Peterson. Apparently I'm not supposed to because I'm a female, but I oh, love him. no, well, you're just don't listen to them. Jordan <laughs> Peterson's books really helped me. They yeah. truly did where I'm at today. He was in, da- I live in Texas. He was in Dallas, Texas. I wasn't able to go, uh, cause I had work, but he's going to come back and I, and I want to meet him. Um, he was the grandfather I didn't have. Um, I, I listened to his audiobooks, the audiobook version at work, all of them, the, the Maps of Meaning, 12 Rules for Life, and then Beyond Order. And I listened to Beyond Order after my divorce because I was like, how am I going to navigate this life? I have nothing to go off of. And I'm just, the advice I was seeing online, it was just, it wasn't meant for me. It, it, it did not connect with me. His words did. And I'm in a relationship right now. It's fairly um, early relationship, three and a half months. But I've seen major improvements on how I respond to things, to misunderstandings. Um, I am very vocal with my feelings. And I, and I say that they matter. I say, this matters to me. And I will not waver. This is important. And I want this respected and I want it valued. I want to be looked at as a person. And she's done such an amazing job. So I can attribute all my success to Jordan Peterson's books. Everything that's going right for me right now is directly correlated to his books. 
I, I love that. I think that is um, a, a common, common trend occurring right now. I love what Jordan Peterson is doing for not only men, but for women who are willing to open their minds and listen to him because he's not a bad guy. I remember when 12 Rules for Life came out. I think I've read that book like six times. It is highlighted all to fuck, filled with post-it so notes. Um, it's a, and, and I haven't read Beyond Order yet. I'm That's next. And my son wants good. to read it too. That was something I, you know, I've done throughout um, my experience as a homeschool mom is, you know, the access to the books, you know, thanks to Amazon and getting all that stuff out to my kids. But Jordan Peterson has always been like, Hey, to my son, Julian, re- did you see his podcast? Yeah. So, you know, it's like, he's good <laughs> stuff. He's, and I think that's why they're trying to cancel him. Right. Because oh, yeah. he is helping people. And again, we have these systems designed to keep us disconnected and divided. And, and, and people like Jordan Peterson are out there, like, fuck all that noise. Let's, let's come together and let's, also teach ourselves, like, especially men, like what true masculinity is mm. and never mind this fucking buzzword of toxic masculinity. Cause honestly, the way it is thrown around right now, it's like, you're attaching it just to men. You're just attaching yeah. it to the male sex and try bringing up the word toxic femininity and watch everyone lose their fucking mind. Right. Oh, yeah. It doesn't exist. Miss Andre doesn't oh, exist. Did oh, you know it doesn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. According to women. <laughs> it, it sounds look, like toxic. I have to, I, I just want to say something here too, right? Like this, and this is the most frustrating thing. And and you hit on it earlier, personal accountability Mm. is significantly deficient in our society. Yeah. But if I'm being honest, like, uh, from my own anecdotal experience, which I know is not scientific, um, women don't know how to fucking take accountability. Like seriously, I, I just wrote like a 4,000 word blog called the accountable woman, like trying to taking off of Jordan Peterson's whole shtick. Right. Mm. And like, can I speak to women and can I teach you how to be accountable? Right. Because accountability you, through awareness and accountability, you get ultimate authenticity. And for me, that is the pinnacle of erotic embodiment, which mm. is what I teach. But so I, I'm not going to leave men out of here because I've, I've had some conversations with a man. It's hard to take accountability. Oh, they're insufferable ladies, too. Yeah, we're all insufferable. But this accountability thing seems to be like the most assaulting idea for mm. women post-feminism in this weird era that we're in where, well, if men are going their own way, well, we're, fuck, we don't need anything either, right? Like I had this whole dialogue going on. Listen, unaccountable women when I'm just trying to encourage people like how to connect and how to be more erotic with their partners. And it's like, we don't need them. We can finance ourselves. We can feed ourselves and we can fuck ourselves. And I'm like, is that the prescription we want for our society where Mm -hmm. everybody's just alone? Cause what did we learn? Thanks to COVID studies, right? That loneliness and isolation shot through the roof depression, anxiety, paranoia, and suicide attempts. And so we know, and I'll take this back, you know, to Genesis and my Christian influence, it is not good for anyone to be alone. And this idea that everybody is like, no, it's good to be alone. It's peace. It's meditative. It's contemplative. No, it's not. You weren't designed to be alone. You're designed to connect. You know, the worst punishment you can do to someone who's in prison Put them in isolation. Solitary confinement. 
It'll that make is you crazy. the worst thing you can do. You're surrounded by murderers, killers, and the worst thing they can do to you is put you by yourself for days at a time. Yeah, that says something about the human condition. It truly does. Um, and the accountability point is, like I said, it's very hard to hold yourself accountable. And with the feminist movement, which I I love the first wave, I even partially like the second wave. But what it is, it's not about equality anymore. It's about equity. You don't want to do the work to get you to the equal value. You just want the value. You want what's expedient, not what's meaningful. And that's in Jordan Peterson's book. We, we look for this since, since the dawn of the internet, when we have instant gratification, we think everything should come to us all at once. It's not how it works. You could do that. You can get everything all at once. But when you don't work for it, where you don't have to sharp or get cut by sharp edges and, and experience life, then you will never appreciate it. And then you squander it. I was raised in poverty, like potted meat sandwiches every day with no lights, no power. Um, the main reason, even though my father worked, my mother was a huge drug addict and would threaten to end their life or to hurt us or to divorce him if he didn't spend all of his money on getting her narcotics. Um, so we, I, as soon as I got a good job and started making my own money and started living on my own, everything that I have is precious. Everything, I, even the most mundane thing like this, a little Funko Pop, I'm like, wow, even that, I appreciate that so much because I worked, I made the money, and I bought it. And I don't take anything for granted anymore because life threw me through the ringer and I came out on the other side. There, no one's experiencing that. because I, And I blame parents for this because there are parents who don't want their kids to ever have to struggle the way they did. But what you did is you made your kid dull. Um, you made them emotional hemophiliacs. And now they're in this life living on their own. Oh, I'm, I'm not having things handed to me anymore. What's that about? That's where all this frustration is coming from. Yeah. Is wanting yeah. The, expedient. The, the expedient and then wanting to provide. I've gotten caught in that, right? Like I was doing that a little in the beginning mm. um, with my children too, right? Like I was told, no, I was poor, right? I grew up in a trailer house. Um, my parents were not good with managing money. And so I did that, but then, I mean, and my husband called, called me out on this too. Right. And we really readjusted, but we were doing that because he said the same thing, right? Like if they can't handle, no, how, how are we going to send them out there? Like if mm -hmm. they can't handle being frustrated or being sad because they didn't get their way, how are we going to send them out there? And mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, because like, you don't always get what you want. And sometimes you have Never to be happens. okay with no, right? I mean, to a degree though, like the power of mentality and manifestation, you can get whatever you want, but you have to be intentional. Right. Right. Um, but right, we we can't just be walking around like spoiled little brats with our hands out, like gimme, 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 gimme. And then, <laughs> you know, like losing our shit if someone says no. And so that is really important. I God, I really love your little reference to covering all the sharp edges. Just thinking about this in my head. It's Jordan Peterson. I'm not this uh, unique, beautiful mind. It oh, is all well, Jordan you Peterson. are because I mean, I love your TikTok. So you've got some <laughs> originality going on in there. I'm plagiarizing Jordan yourself Peterson. short. That's okay. We all plagiarize Jordan Peterson. He <laughs> loves it. Um, okay. So I want to move yeah. on to um, the topic of infidelity. 
because yes. I'm you saw my video. Mm. You, you stitched it and I like totally appreciate your viewpoint on that. Right. Sure. Um, so just for a little context, I did a TikTok video where I was like, why don't people offer grace, mercy and forgiveness anymore for infidelity? Because mm. the common thread that I see, especially within my relationship coaching practice is it's one and done. You cheat, we're done. And that's mm. the end of the relationship. Um, and so most people who listen to my podcast know where I stand on this because they know my history, right? So real quick, my husband and I got married June, January, 2009. Mm. He deployed to Iraq in April. And by September, I cheated on him and got pregnant. Mm -hmm. He came home Christmas. He forgave me. We decided we were going to raise this baby together. The other man was dishonorably discharged because it was another person in his unit that mm. it happened with. Um, but the thing was, is for the first three years, he had been accusing me of cheating. Right. right. And there was, n there was nothing I could do to like convince him. I wasn't until a point where he did leave on two mini deployments and I did cheat on him. And then I lied to him on my wedding night about it when he asked me, but then I did it again. And so it took a lot of time for me to come to this conclusion because he wanted this big you know, deep answer as to what happened and what he was doing wrong. And for me, it was really, really reductive. You left for a military assignment. I was horny. I got laid. That's mm. just the way it was for me. Right. For him though, he was like, this is the worst thing that could ever happen, but I don't want to lose you. Mm. And so we worked on it. Right. And now I had to tread very lightly for a long time. I had to rebuild his trust. Right. And I had to, we had to get over all of that because it's not an easy, it's not an easy fix. Right. You have to, you have mm. to do therapy and you have to do, you know, separate internal work as well. Um, but I came out of that, the other side where grace transformed me, right? Like I got to the point where I was like, wait, you're forgiving me. You're not going to send me divorce papers and leave me high and dry. And what, you know? So for me and my view and what my hope is for what infidelity can turn into is that grace can transform, right? That, I'll take mm. that back to the Bible, even though apparently being a Christian disqualifies me from intellect. That's what I was recently <laughs> told today. And I was like, fantastic. That's um, nonsense. But that transformative love and grace can mm. actually be a benefit to your relationship, but you're on the other side of the coin, which is what a lot of my commenters are on too, right? They're like, fuck that shit. No way we're done. But you, you were cheated on. So mm. you're coming from this from a different angle. So what say you on this? So I really, this is my problem. This is something that I can acknowledge with myself. I put my experiences onto other people and my feelings onto other people sometimes. And I really have to step back. Um, my first initial reaction to that, uh, came from an honest place. My, I hate the word, my truth. I can't believe I was about to say it. Something that is true to me that I, that I felt, um, ultimately love is a choice. People think, uh, oh, it's Disney. It's, it's the cosmos. It, it's, it's this force that cannot pull people away. No, at the end of the day, you, you decide who to love and you can decide to forgive or not. I would err on the side of if I'm cheated on, that is a betrayal to me and I wouldn't be able to go forward. But if it was with someone that 
made a mis- it's not a mi- well it can be a mistake i i look at it as a betrayal but if someone were to say look this is what led me to this point and i'm not blaming you but i felt like you weren't paying attention to me i felt like i wasn't important in your life you didn't take the effort to to speak to me about issues that i had um and which i which i thought i did to my ex-wife uh, but after going to therapy and, and re-examining everything, I wasn't a perfect husband, but God damn, I was a good one. I was a, I was a pretty decent husband. Um, there's, there's different reasons for cheating. And I think in your scenario and your situation, um, for him to do that for you, that is grace. And he, he truly does love you. Um, and giving you that chance and you making that decision to do that doesn't make you a monster and it doesn't make you unforgivable. It makes you a person. Everyone has flaws. Everyone can make the wrong decisions. Um, I myself have never cheated, but I'm human. It could happen. I constantly have to check myself. I, I acknowledge that there's other women out there that are beautiful and I wonder how it would be. But I always remember like the person I'm with now, they're all I need. And it's all about life lessons. Your, your path to your knowledge now, it had to happen that way. And for me to judge that and say, no, we shouldn't have took you back, that would be insensitive. That would be ignorant on my part because I didn't live your life. Um, so I hope you didn't get the, the idea that I was trying to shame you or condemn you. Not at all. Not at all. Um, I... I have an open appreciation for people having divergent views than I do. Right. And, right. and especially the topic of infidelity, the majority of people, like even in my personal circle, right. Are like, oh, I've never fucking done that. Right. And even my sister is like, I can't believe he forgave you. Right. And of course his family all were like, you're dead to us. We can't believe you do this. Mm. But I just think, it's better to have conversations like this mm. about the topic, whether or not you've experienced it or not with an open mind, trying to remove as much judgment as possible. That's the important part. That's how we can have connected conversations. Mm. Um, but no, I, I, I love hearing other people's views, even when they oppose mine. Like I'm so open Thanks. to everybody's views because my perspective is narrow, right? It's only mine. And mm. it is very, very narrow. And the only way I can widen my perspective is by opening up my mind and being able to listen to other people share their perspectives, right? I think that's how we widen our perspectives is through conversation. And mm. which might be why our country suffers from such a narrow perspective, because we're not willing to converse. We would mm. rather hurl accusations and judgments at each other, shame each other, because it makes us think certain things or feel certain things. And if we were in that position, this is how we'd respond and again, going back to what you said, we don't know how to step into the shoes of another person. So no, not at all. I didn't get that vibe from you at all. I, I loved that you were like, I, I dig, this is your opinion. Here's my opinion. And I think we should all be more willing to do that. Like mm. that's your, the agree to disagree thing. Yeah. Disagreement doesn't need to equal disconnection and, and division. It just means you have your views. I have mine. And they're never going to be the same because our whole lived experience is completely different. Oh, yeah. Um, and people don't acknowledge that. And stereotypically, like, I should hate your guts. I should be giving you a tongue lashing. 
Right. Because you were cheated on by a woman and I'm a woman that cheated. Yeah. But I, that's, hate's not in my heart. I mean, there, there are things I really do hate, but it's like things that are worthy of hatred, but people in different experiences for me to oppose my worldview on a life I didn't live is kind of, it's counterintuitive and it's not taken into consideration that other people are not you. It, it, I, me personally, cheating is off the table. If I ever feel the need to sleep with somebody else, the relationship is over um, and vice versa. And I, I'm glad, and I, I know this sounds so cliche. I'm glad I was cheated on and divorced. I was. It opened my eyes. It set me on a different path than you took. And where you're at now, you seem very well put together and seem very happy and that was the path you needed to take. I needed to suffer the greatest heartbreak of my life to realize that, hey, you're living your life wrong mm. and you can find better. You can do better for yourself. I stopped living for women. I lived for myself. It garnered me a following. There's a potential I can make money from this one day um, and reach people. I've had emails and, and messages from men who have told me like, the way you say what you say, it's not profound. It's not any new idea, but the way you deliver it, it finally resonated with me and I'm going to change my life. I'm going to stop accepting half-assed love and just, just accept what's for me, what's meant for me, not to control the situation, not try to make anyone do anything for me, just accept my life for what it is. But just doing the right things to make it better. And I, I cry reading those. Um, hold on. They touch you, don't they? I know I do too. The comments and the messages mm. and the emails I get too. I, cause yeah. when you know your worth, other people are like, I want to know my worth too. And that's really touching that you can be an inspiration to other people. And I think that's what we're all designed to be is inspirations. We breathe life into each other through sharing our stories and in our experiences, especially our pain and our suffering. Because I think that's the one thing everybody can relate to is we all know what pain and suffering is. And we all know what that heartbreak feels like. And that that's what unites us is our pain and our suffering. And when we can acknowledge that we're all humans and we all experience those, those scenarios and situations in our lives, that's how you can see yourself reflected in other people. Yeah. And, and I'm plagiarizing Jordan Peterson again by getting emotional. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I think I think that's lovely. And I appreciate it. And you're not the first man to cry on my podcast. In fact, most men cry on my podcast. We cry. And I love that. We I know. Cry. I love that. We should invite that in. It is a it is a very vulnerable position to be in, but it is authentic. Right. It's truth to men. Men do have emotions. Right. I know we're we always talk about the masculine being logical and the feminine being emotional. But that doesn't mean women don't have logic or exercise it or that men don't have emotions. Like mm-hmm. men have emotions. Their processes might be more logical, but we have to stop forgetting that men have emotions. Mm-hmm. And then when we remember they have emotions, we also have to create the space for them to feel safe. I didn't want to say safe space, but we have to create <laughs> the space for them to be able to feel safe to express their emotions yeah. and to receive and- them and to hear them. I've seen a lot of discouraging videos from women saying that, oh, the moment I saw my partner cry, I just lost all attraction for them. Well, 
you just you don't have a heart not i mean you have a, a one that pumps blood through your veins but the soul with inside the heart it, it's it's not there and yeah. i and these people are not lost i refuse to accept that these people are are lost and gone forever there is potential to reach these people and Absolutely. The, the thing that will make your life better is the thing that you will hate to hear the most mm. because nobody wants to do the work to get there. Um, my partner has cried in front of me and I have cried in front of them, pouring our souls to each other. And I was afraid to do that. I was like, I don't want you to just not be attracted to me. If I tell you what's I know going to make me cry. Cause I was, it was talking about my mother and they said, if you cry, I will not stop loving you. You, you're allowed to show your emotions. Who did this to you? And I said, a lot of people. Um, but at that moment, I was able to decompress. For a year, I was pent up. I had all this pent up anger and frustration that I never lashed out, thankfully. But um, internally, I was rotting from within. And um, reading the Jordan Peterson books and connecting with the women I met on TikTok. Um, I mentioned before the manicured mom the dad advocate. Um, I forgot her name, Megan, something Megan King or no, Emily King, all these people. Uh, it made me think, Oh wow. Women actually do care. Yeah. So don't give There's up. some of us out there. There's some of us out there. Oh, and you, you are one. Now I'm adding, I'm, you a, to the I'm not available though. So, um, no, but like, I do not you, have a sister, even though people keep asking, <laughs> Nope, I don't have uh, an available I'm, sister. I'm going to put you on the Mount Rushmore of the the cornerstone of women that have really influenced my, like, I really love your content too. I've been watching it and you're no nonsense. Um, you, you don't put up with uh, double speak. I see you calling that out a lot. Um, like hypocritical points, you can zone in on that quickly. And that's something that I, I personally have within myself as well. When I see hypocrisy, I'm like, no, you're not getting away with that. You're, yeah. you're not just gonna. I have to point that out. And it makes people angry. But it took a lot. It, it, it's a lot to put yourself out there and have these opinions and share them because it will get you hate. Right. Like I've been threatened to be doxxed, my location given away, um, threats of violence. Uh, for what? Telling the truth? And sharing your point of view. Yeah. And well, I do attack people. I attack toxic people who refuse to acknowledge that the other side of the conversation matters too. Yeah. That's the only, I don't punch up. I don't punch down. I punch lines. Yeah. And that's, I started out as a comedian making funny videos. And then I went through my experience and I was like, "Mm, can't laugh right now. We got to reach some people. I have to therapeutically talk about this. Um, and I'll eventually get back to comedy, but people are not where you're laughing at yourself over your suffering. That's like the greatest way to heal. Oh yeah. I laughed at myself so mm-hmm. much. It was so therapeutic. I was making, uh, I had my friends make fun of me. Like, dude, how could you let that happen? I'm like, ah, uh, I'm a ginger. We accept love when we can. Uh, um, yeah. My husband and I did a lot of that too. Laughing at my infidelity. And you know, if you can try and find humor in it, I, I feel like that's going to gauge your trajectory of healing. There's something hilarious about my life. Um, Stereotypically, I should have been uh, a monster. I should have been someone, and I I wouldn't have the right to, 
but I would have some sort of justification for causing a lot of harm. And as a man, I acknowledge I can cause harm. I can do things that hurt people. Um, but my grandmother and my father both instilled in me, like, you may be hurting on the inside and there may be people hurting you, but to, to react with the same level of vitriol and hate and violence, you're just causing more of it. And I'm not very religious. I was raised Pentecostal. Um, I'm not very religious, but I do believe there is a God. And I do believe that if you live your life accordingly and you, and you don't try to harm anybody and you just try to search for the answers and try to connect with people, that is something that will get you, God will provide you what you need. Absolutely. That's the whole, when people call it manifesting, no, it's God. It is not you doing it. It's allowing you to receive mm. what's meant for you. You just have mm -hmm. to be open to the opportunity. Absolutely. Um, I, it's, it's taken a long time for me to get here, but thank God that I'm here. Yeah. Thank God I'm here today talking to you. Yes, um, absolutely. Thank God I found you on TikTok. That's over here like, God damn. So yeah. So thank you. Thank you for that lovely compliment too. And again, I just, you know, I want to praise you too. Like what you're doing is amazing. And I, I love that there are platforms like this for us. I know a lot of people are like, and I've even had people say it like in comment fields, right? Like, and this is why we shouldn't be on social media getting advice. And it's like, well, where should we be? Right. Cause I don't even know who to believe anymore. I don't know what to believe anymore. You get all these studies coming out telling us basically the studies of the past were crock and shit. And, and you know, there's, there's doubt in every expert field now. And it's like, what if we just tried relating to each other? What mm -hmm. if we just tried sharing our stories with each other? What if we tried conjuring empathy for each other outside the narratives of academic expertise and the systems mm -hmm. of, of authority and hierarchy? Like what the fuck are they actually doing for us? that we can't do for ourselves just through authentic connection and relating to one another and mm. being willing to listen to one another, right? Listen, open-minded, listen with an open heart without that desire to judge or categorize or label what we're listening to. Mm. Right. And so that's what I think is uniquely incredible about our ability to connect with anybody in mm. an instant like this, where we can be not, not tangibly face-to-face, -face, but we are face-to-face -face and we can look at each other and we can see the human on the other side of the screen rather mm -hmm. than the avatar that I can just shame and insult and attack and troll and belittle because whatever reason you want to. Yeah, totally. I love, what's, love that ability. That what's very clear is people are hurt. There's hurt Definitely. people don't, uh, people who are not hurt don't act this way. Right. Um, hurt people hurt. hurt people. Yeah. Oh, exactly. For sure. And I, I'm just, I'm really glad that I never went down that destructive path. I could have so easily done it. And to be honest, I wanted to, I really wanted to, there was this thing that I was like, just, if you release this anger and scorch the, you're part of the earth, you'll feel so much better. And I'm so thankful that I didn't allow myself to do that. Yeah. Um, again, thanks to Jordan Peterson. Mm. Uh, people say that he, uh, boasts and he uplifts toxic masculinity and allows men to mm. do harm. He caused me, he prevented me from exploding. Um, 
I, I hate the hate that he gets. Oh, I, I do too. It's I like, do too. When I was under a publisher house once I was going to write a book a while back and I was under a publisher house and we had just started, they had sponsored a podcast we were doing. And the premise of the podcast was called bookish. The canon continues. And essentially that meant like the canon continues in literally every book you read, right? Like God's messages everywhere in the written mm -hmm. word, not just the Bible. And the first book I did, we did, we did book reviews, me and this other woman. The first book I did was Jordan Peterson's 12 rules for life and the publisher and all of the other published authors under the house. Even my co-host was like, you're under the progressive Christian deconstructing Christian narrative. You can't do this. And I was like, the canon continues. Did we not agree that God's word is in every book? Well, right. what, you know, and people really will get in there like that with a wedge and tell you, this is not your lane. This person is not a part of this lane. This idea is not a part of this lane. You must reject it. And the amount of people that are willing to say, okay, I'll, I'll avoid that person just for the sake of that lane is so baffling to me. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and I would say to these people, right. And I, they would trash me for being encouraged by Jordan Peterson. I'd say, have you read his book? No. Have you listened to any of his podcasts? Have you listened to any of his lectures? No. Do you feel like you're making an informed judgment here? It doesn't matter. No. I've heard all I need to, but did you go to the source? And that's the thing that's so frustrating about anybody, right? Trying to share an encouraging word is if it doesn't have this label or this attachment or this category it is rejected and you, you're okay with that kind of ignorance, right? Like ignorance is willful, willful mm. and intentional now, I swear. It and is. It's like, and theoretically say he was the enemy. Say he was this monster that people are saying that he is. Okay. Why wouldn't you want to read the book of your enemy? Because uh, I read Mein Kampf, Hitler's My Struggle. I read that. I read the Gulag Archipelago. Communist Manifesto. Communist Manifesto. I read those things. I'm very aware of the evil that people mm -hmm. can cause. And when you ignore it, theoretically, if he was a, a danger, you would want to get your hands on that book and analyze it front to back. So you could um, watch for the signs, at least. What it is. It is willful ignorance because there is truth in that book. It, it may not be everyone's truth, but I, I think there's truth in everything. I don't think everything's a lie, but for them not to want to read that book or listen to him, they may see clips that are taken out of context, but not to listen to the man. There's a fear that he might say something correct mm -hmm. and speech that's constantly shut down is something that I look for. Oh, they tried to cancel them. I'm going to see what they're about. Mm -hmm. um, oh, they're saying that he's a terrible person. Okay, I'm going to go study him. I'm going to go see if that's really true. And more often than not, they're afraid of the message because yeah. there's some truth in it. And it's not that, evil. No, that's the most obvious thing. I've noticed that ever since I was little, right? Is the people that everyone is pointing at going bad, don't listen to, stay away from, are the people I'm most drawn to. Like if you're going to go that hard to cancel someone, what recently, what's his name? Andrew Tate. Mm -hmm. He got canceled. I was barely familiar with him. I had seen some of his clips here and there. 
I had heard his name reference, but I didn't know anything about him. Then all of a sudden he's canceled. You have banks canceling him. You have Uber canceling him, right? You have PayPal canceling Mm -hmm. him. And I'm like, who's this guy? Hold on. And I think I spent all day going to find the videos that I could that they hadn't removed of his. And I've listened to him, right? And okay, on the surface, and I'll say this about anyone, I don't think it's fair that men get to sit there topless and I get my videos taken down if my cleavage hangs out. (laughs) Andrew Tate, work on that. Please just be fair. I would love to be topless, but then I don't think anyone would listen to me. They just, uh, um, but it'd just be white noise. (laughs) So there's some things, right? I like his talk. I think he's, I think, I think he's clever. I think he has a lot of lived experience. Do I agree with everything he says? No, I've, I I can listen to anyone and go, I wouldn't say it like that. That was a little, but that doesn't matter. Right. Sometimes you can look beyond the presentation and delivery to Mm. see what like the substance of the message is. And just, just to speak on that for a minute is just, okay, the more you go hard to cancel someone, look what you did. Like me, especially, right. I'm like, I spent all day trying to figure out who this dude was because you're trying to silence him. Mm-hmm. Uh, censor police. You're not doing it right. Because the more you bring it to our attention, the more attention we're going to give it. Yeah. And it's, Canceling doesn't work anymore. It no. truly doesn't. He's no. off the mark, but he's in the right direction. He's, yeah. he's close Yeah. Um, to shut him down completely. I, I don't know. That's it's disgusting to me, but something about, Oh, don't listen to that person. Well, there's this book called the Bible and there were passages in that book where people said, Oh, don't listen to Jesus. Yeah. He's a heretic. Uh, and look what happened there. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying Jordan Peterson or Andrew Tate is Jesus can amount to the man. We could say Jordan Peterson is a modern day Messiah. Well, he, he is healing people the way he does proximity. I, the way he does, the way he talks about Jesus, because I was turned off by religion for a long time. Cause I, it was Pentecostal, but it was a cult. It was, it was a straight up cult. Um, but the way he talks about Jesus, that is one of the most important pieces of literature you should ever read. If you don't want to read the Bible because you're not religious, whatever, read it, read it like it is fiction. And then look at the, the concepts and the, just the meaning of Jesus themselves. That is literally the best way you can possibly, uh, possibly live. Not for yourself that you are living to send a message, whatever that message is, as long as it's a good one, sacrificing, your life for others, being willing to sacrifice your life for people that even hate you. It sounds like Jordan Peterson that he, in the, the midst of all this hate and vitriol he gets and what he's been through, he had to go to rehab. His wife almost died. He was suffering a tremendous amount of stress. He was like, no, these men need help. And I don't care what anyone says. I'm going to help them. I was like, that dude has whatever he says. I got his back. I will support that unless he says something completely evil, which he has not yet. I will always support Jordan Peterson, even at my own detriment. If people want to stop talking to me because I support Jordan Peterson, good. More for me. Yeah. More Jordan well, Peterson. And isn't me. that interesting how hard people will try and control who you're influenced by or who you support or what you're interested in, right? Like we're all little control freaks all of a mm. sudden. And we get to just dictate and delegate to everybody. Like, this is what you do. And, 
And I think, well, how would you feel if someone was doing that to you though? Like, why would, why would we do that? It's, that's a whole stepping into the shoes of other people, but then going back to why don't you treat people the way you want them to treat you, not the way you think they're going to treat you, right? That's the one thing that we yeah. don't think about. You're treating people the way you think they'd treat you rather than treating them the way you want them to treat you. We manipulated that golden rule. Yeah. Uh, matching a biblical energy. rule. <laughs> yeah. So we're matching the energy rather than creating our own energy and setting the energy scene for our atmosphere. We're going, what's your energy? And I get why we're mimetic creatures, right? Mimesis is a real thing. We're little fucking copycats. That's how we learn. But <laughs> that doesn't have to be the way it is. And that going back to Jesus, that's what I see as focal throughout the tenets of Jesus is mm. Jesus was trying to teach you to know who you are, to know your self-worth. And when you know who you are, nobody can fuck with you. Right? Exactly. No one can fuck with you. didn't say it peace. like that, but no. yeah, that was the message. <laughs> I translated modern day translation. When you know who you are, ain't nobody fucking with you. The, but it's the new true. bad bitch version. Exactly. NIV. Bad bitch version. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. And, and there's so much truth to that. When you know who you are, when you're confident in who you are, when you know that you and God are one and aligned, nobody can interrupt your peace and no mm. one can diminish your worth. And if we all clung to that mindset rather than the entitlement expectational, I deserve everything I want mindset, we would be a happier society, more connected, um, probably having more sex. I'm all about yeah. encouraging people to have sex. And apparently that's a bad thing. Oh yeah. I'm dealing with that right now. Not in my personal life. No. Sometimes I have to but tell you get no that too. You get reasons. that from the stuff you put out there, the content yeah. you put out and people are like, I mean, I literally got accused of being abusive and coercive because I said, why aren't you having sex with your husband's men? And I'm like, sex isn't coercion. Sex isn't harm. Mm. So this, it can this, be sure if it's rape. Yes. But then it's not sex. It's rape. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I, I've, I've been actually, I'm, I'm not going to share the conversation because they asked me to be private. But um, it was someone who wasn't understanding my message because I said, okay, ladies, if sex is not important in your relationship, would you be then okay with your, your partner finding someone to sleep with strictly just sex? Would you have a problem with that? More often than not, they say, no, I would not be okay with that. That's cheating. That's betrayal. Okay, then. Then sex is important. So stop being dishonest. If I understand there's low sex drives, I understand that there's trauma understand that there's even medical reasons. Um, but if you are a healthy woman that could, if you wanted to, the fact that you're not, if, if you're with a good man who provides and is very attentive, um, even is willing to build up the tension to get you to that point, if you're constantly denying him, you are telling him you don't desire him. And people call that, oh, you're trying to coerce and manipulate women and guilt trip. No, it's biology. If you're attracted to someone and you desire them, you want every opportunity that you can get to bed down with that person. My partner that I'm with now, night and day from my last relationship, I was breadcrumbed uh, in my marriage um, and it was transactional. I had to spend an exorbitant amount of money to even get 
a iota of intimacy with the partner that I have now, just how I am, how I show up. She's like, um, we need to go find some place to, to fix this problem that I have. I, the problem is that I want to bone you. And I say, I oblige madam. It's night and day. And I'm telling men, there are women out there like that. If they're, if they're into you, if they desire you, you got to beat them off with the stick. Sometimes you have to tell them, no, we're in target. We can't do that right now. Um, <clears throat> or no, honey, yeah. uh, three nights in a row. I need a break. Okay. Mama needs a break. Yeah. There was a, <laughs> I don't want to get too graphic, but there was a, it was a week straight. Um, and I, I told her, I was like, baby, nah, there's nothing more than I want to do. I'm hurting great now. Um, I feel like my guy uh, was in a UFC octagon <laughs> and went five rounds with Leota Machida. Um, we, we need to put him in the corner, do some <laughs> cryotherapy, you know, maybe some rehabilitation uh, because you got me. You won. Uh, let me let me recoup. And they understand that. But it, it's so refreshing. And for, I want men to find women like this. Yeah. Um, if they're into you, they, they, it's going to happen. Uh, I was I went two years without it and I was loyal. I never went and cheated. Um, but a lot of people said you were just you could have done that. But I was like, no, I wanted her like she she was my Aphrodite. She was the I was a virgin until I was 22 by choice. And she was my first. And. I was like, I don't want to experience this with anybody. She's, she's my goddess. She's my queen. And no, she was Medusa. Mm. Um, And then when I went on the dating scene, I experienced other people. And I even thought, oh, this is how you're going to live your life. You're just going to have random hookups. You're never going to settle down. And what I discovered is that no, ultimately it all feels the same, but it means something more when you're with the right person. Yeah. And that's when I decided to settle down with who I'm with now. And it was the best decision, the yeah. best decision. I'm, I'm telling men, do not guilt trip. Do not try to force it because this is what good men want. I'm sorry. I'm going on a tangent. No, that's fine. Good men want enthusiastic consent. Yeah. When I felt with my wife that she was doing it out of obligation, I couldn't reach climax. I had to fake it. I would, it was so unenjoyable for me because I knew she was only doing it because she felt obligated. Mm -hmm. So I stopped asking. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just accepted that that part of our relationship was probably going to be over. And I, and I sensed the, the end of the relationship happening. Um, men want their women to pursue them. Yeah. There's nothing more confidence building than a woman telling you that you're with, I just want you. I, mm-hmm. I, I crave you so much right now. You could do that to me one time a month and I'm good. I'm yeah. fine. As long as I know I'm desired and wanted, it doesn't have to be every single day. Yeah. So here's Just, the fun thing about women, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's data and studies to back this up if people need their citations. But one of the reasons that women are having less and less sex with their partners is because of their self-esteem and their self-image. And this goes back to, and this is a mindset I'm always trying to push, right? Is when you love yourself and you know your worth 
and you can look at yourself and go, fuck yeah, I'm sexy. I'd fuck me. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's what help helps activate arousal, especially for women. Right. Mm-hmm. The other side of the coin is women are narcissistic when it comes to sexual pursuit, right? They want to be the object of desire. And I know there are a lot of women out there. They're like, I do not want to be an object of desire, but yes, the fuck you do. Liars. You are mo- <laughs> women are overwhelmingly more aroused by the idea that they are the one making their man horny. Like mm. that's, that's the program, right? You want me? Yeah, you do. We're narcissistic in that way. Right. And so we want the pursuit and we want to be chased after, and we want to be desired, but only if we actually believe that about ourselves, that I'm desirable, that mm. I'm sexy, that I look good naked, but with social media and with all the nasty narratives out there, it's hard for a woman to know her worth. It's mm-hmm. hard for a woman to love herself. And, you know, one of my formative practices, especially for women in teaching body positivity is I do a mirror meditation and I tell a woman every day. You're going to take five minutes. You're going to stand in front of your mirror and you're going to find a new part of your body that you love. Mm-hmm. Right. And eventually you'll get to a point where you love every inch of your skin and that full embodied love for yourself. That's going to give you a glow and radiance that everybody else is going to see. Your mm-hmm. partner can read that energy when you come into that love and awareness of yourself. And, yes. but again, nobody's teaching women how to love themselves, right? They're doing this whole, oh, if you look like Lizzo, you're healthy and you're beautiful and you're great. And you're like, these are not the messages that are going to help women with body positivity, with body security, and with a positive sense of self-image. Like these are, we, we can't keep telling women it's okay to not be healthy. And we, and also for women, right. And I learned this on my own. Cause I went through a phase where I was like, I don't need to dress up or look good or stay in shape and impress my man. I already impressed him. Uh, but I want my man to impress me all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want you to come home from working 15 hours in the fucking farm field, smelling like dirt and manure getting all over me go. Right. So the same thing is like women stop taking care of themselves because Mm. some messaging told them that doing that was objectifying you. And you were just doing this to please your husband. And you know, it's not really about you. Sometimes I do want to sit in yoga pants all day and not leave the fucking couch and fucking binge desperate housewives. Right. Fine. Yes. (laughs) But other times when I'm feeling myself, I am going to present that to the world. Right. And that's, Mm that's where clothing comes into play. Right. And women, we have this whole market dedicated to us to help us look good so that we can feel good. Now I'm not telling women, if you don't get your hair done and your nails done, you don't throw the false eyelashes on a blah, blah, blah. You can't love yourself. And I'm saying we have so many tools and resources to help us love Mm -hmm. ourselves. Why are we choosing instead to go, no, I just want to be a blubbering slob that sits at home all day and I don't do shit for nobody. Fuck you, I don't have to. Like, that's such a shitty mindset. Mm -hmm. Like, And then you're also teaching this to your children. So do you have daughters? Is that how you want your daughter to be? Like when she grows up and this is your son, he's watching you. Is that what he's supposed to want for himself when he gets older? What you are presenting to them? Or do you want to model what you want, right? Be the change you want in your relationship. Mm. Be the- be the security for yourself that you want. And all of that stuff just expands outward. Like when you can do that for yourself, 
that influence and impact in your proximity is astounding. When you learn to love yourself, that shit trickles out and it teaches you how to learn or how to love Mm -hmm. everybody else. But it has to start with you and you have to care about yourself. And you also have to put some fucking effort into your relationship, right? Like I literally said this last night to my husband. I said, look, I gotta be honest with you. I do most of the work for our relationship, right? Mm -hmm. Not, not the house, not the kids, not, not all that. But when it comes to the relationship, I'm the researcher, I'm the initiator, I'm the investigator, I'm the discovering new ideas to it. It's 80-20, babe. It's 80-20. And it should be 50-50. Or maybe it can be, I'm doing 100% here, whatever, however you want to decipher it up. But we need to equally invest in our relationships. Mm-hmm. Not Absolutely. That's separate from investing in your kids, invest, investing in your home and, and maintaining like your responsibilities externally, right? And I think a lot of women get tripped up in that where they think I have to refocus all priority to children. And it's like, no, your relationship has to matter. And mm-hmm. in that relationship, that includes, am I working on myself? Am I... Am I building up my own confidence? It's not just about building up my partner. Am I building up myself? And that's what we're modeling to each other. If I'm building up myself, my partner's going to build up themselves and then we're going to build up each other. And it's just this whole, whole effect that just keeps opening up and expanding. So just to throw that in there for ladies, like the more you're willing to like, look at yourself and really accept yourself and love yourself, that's really going to help activate your arousal and it's going to up your erotic desire Mm -hmm. and I, I love that you pointed that out too, about men, men want to be desired. Men want to be pursued because it's usually up to the men, right? Like you look mm-hmm. at all of animal kingdom, it's always the male role to pursue the female. The female does have the, the dominance in the hierarchy of sexual choice and sexual selection. Yeah. Right. That's absolutely accurate. Jordan Peterson's information. That's yeah. absolutely accurate, but we shouldn't, shouldn't we pursue each other? I mean, yeah. yeah, sure. The male species is the pursuer, but why aren't you pursuing him? And why aren't you telling him that you desire him and that you want him? And so that's, that's equally important. And it sounds like that's what you have right now. And so that's awesome. And plentiful. Mm. Another side of that. And I don't know if you've uh, ever heard of this or came to this idea. What you said was completely true. But I think there's something that's also true. I think there are women in relationships and men do this too. So I'm not just trying to bash on women this whole podcast, but there are women who get complacent in their relationship. Um, Why do we all want the McRib as soon as it comes out? Because it's not out all the time. I know it's unhealthy, but it's delicious. It's my guilty pleasure. There are women in relationships who know at the drop of a hat, at the moment they have a beck and call for it, they will have sex. Men don't have that certainty. They don't have that 100% guarantee. And when a woman knows that she can have sex at any moment, she can go without it for a long time because she knows she'll get a yes. So this, some women do get complacent in that. And when men don't have that guarantee, they're like, okay, is it going to be a month? Is it going to be two months? Is it going to be three months? It is a woman's responsibility in her relationship to meet him halfway and to pursue him and to let him have that certainty. Honey, you can have this any good old time that you want, unless, you know, something terrible is happening. Men need to have that guarantee that women have in relationships when it comes to sex. 
Consent matters. Enthusiastic consent matters. But you should be with someone where consent doesn't even need have to be asked. It's yeah. just there. You feel it. It's a primal magnetism to your partner. And that's what men are suffering with right now is there are a lot of women who are complacent. They know mm-hmm. they're beautiful, but they're complacent because they know they'll get it all the time. Does that make any sense? What totally. Totally. No, I, I, I know that too about me, right? Well, that's not actually true. My husband works a lot. So I have actually heard no more than I want to, but, <laughs> um, no, you know, and that's a common complaint within the, the relationship coaching that I do, right. Is people get into a relationship and number one, they don't even have a conversation about what they want. Right. So I always try and introduce this relationship bill of rights. And I try and have my couples write their own relationship bill of rights. Like I use an example I got from a book and it's really just the principles and, and the values that I don't like the word expectation. So I won't call them expectation, right. but it's more or less your expectation for a relationship and you know, what your rights are within the relationship. And so number one, people aren't having conversations like that, right? They're not saying if we get married, like, you know, I like sex and you know, I'm going to keep wanting sex. Even after you, we have babies, like I'm going to still want sex. Is that what you're going to want to? And, and what are we going to do if you get to a point where you don't Right. So that's the most important part. It's, I think couples just go into relationships, expecting things, even unconscious expectations for, for many men not all men, but for many men, marriage equals sex partner for life. Right. And that was my, and that was my mindset too. Right. Like the reason I married is because I want to fuck this man for the rest of my life. No joke. Uh, We got married for the insurance reasons too. He was deploying. Obviously it was a quick wedding. We, Mm. we just decided we were going to be together. We didn't need a marriage license, but military, whatever perks, but that is the mindset of a lot of people where marriage equals sex partner, like marriage is about sex, right? And marriage has always been about sex. I know a lot of people are like, no, it's about calling a woman a piece of property. Yep. Right after the end of the bronze age. And we went into uh, a more um, agricultural way of, of, of civilization. Absolutely. But that yeah. was also to make sure I knew whose kids were mine. So I knew like what proper lineage to leave my property to, right? This was a protection for property. That did not mean women equal property. So I just want to clear that up. I've read the history books. I'm not ignorant of this. Um, But that is the mindset of most people. Marriage is for sex. But today, marriage is transactional, right? There's perks involved. I get tax discounts, insurance, blah, blah, blah. Well, we had a baby. We might as well get married. It'll make all of this shit easier. It's Mm -hmm. like, don't people get married for love and sex anymore? And again, going back, having conversations about this, stop walking into relationships with unconscious expectations where the man is like, this means I'm going to get sex all the time. And the Mm -hmm. woman's like, I never have to have sex again. (laughs) Yeah, it's conflicting. (laughs) So you're going to have sex while you're dating. You're going to stop once you get married, which is what happens, right? And I've had women tell me that. Well, I thought dating was about sex. I thought once I got married, I'd have the kids. I didn't have to have sex anymore. Why would you not want to have sex? So there's my question. This is a question I ask people all the time. And I've had a lot of clients try and come to me and go, I'm asexual. That's not a thing for humans. It's really not a thing. We are um, 
biologically wired to be sexual creatures, not asexual, right? Mm -hmm. Like we're not flowers or tomatoes, we're people. And, you know, working with these, these women, they do come to find out, oh, I'm not asexual. I just, I didn't know my own body. I didn't know what I liked. I never Mm -hmm. even had an orgasm. So no wonder I wasn't enjoying sex, right? I've never been with a connected partner or for a lot of women, a lot of women don't like sex because they've never had a stable male relationship in their entire life, including their dad. And Mm. that can really leave a big fucking hole in their hearts and it can lead to nothing but confusion and they don't know how to connect to people. Right. Right. And that's why the single parent household epidemic is a huge problem, not just for young men, but for young women as well. If we don't have all of these dynamics that are modeled to us in front of us, especially the modeling of like what prioritizing a partner looks like versus children, what it looks like to be in a a paternal, intimate, romantic relationship. That's not modeled to people. They don't get to see that. So Mm. everybody's walking into relationships like, well, you know, uh, I learned on TikTok how to be in a relationship. You know, (laughs) that's, that's what I get. That's what I get. Um, Oh, it kind of seems like I'm taking a jab at us though, because you can learn from us on TikTok. Yeah, I mean, there's an exception to rules. But you know what I'm getting at is we just don't have those models out there. And so if you lack those models, that's why those conversations are even more important to sit down and have a discussion about like, what are your expectations about sex in a relationship? How important is it to you? And to have that discussion before you sign a marriage license, because you do not, there are so many men trapped in sexless relationships and that is so heartbreaking. Not yeah. Now, but right. Past me. Like, like my past client couple that I was working with, I actually had to stop seeing them because we were getting nowhere, but he was the only time he ever had sex was once a year. And coincidentally, that was every time she got pregnant. So they had four kids within a year or within four years, five years, but no more sex after that. So his request was, why can't I get someone else? You don't want sex. What am I supposed to do? That's a common question, right? And you've even been presented with that. It's yes. like, what do men do then if their women aren't giving it to them? And then you that, well, we're opening the door of adultery here now. Does that give you permission to go? And a lot of men do it anyway. You yeah. know, they don't have a conversation. They go step out. I mean, they're a little too honest in their comments, especially on the TikTok where they're telling you, and there are so many men that are doing it. And it's so it's like, this just all falls back into play. Why conversation is really important and and being intentional about what your wants and your desires and your expectations are for the relationship. And if you're not finding agreement with that, you're fucking done. Like, honestly, right. Um, It's hard to tell people that too. Like it's over move on. Oh yeah. Which I should have done in my last relationship. But what I did correct with this one, before we started dating seriously, uh, we went on our first date. We went to a restaurant. Something clicked. We, we did it the first date. Um, and before the relationship started, I said, okay, this is very important to me. This is one of the four pillars of my relationship that I want to have. It's very important to me. How do you feel about it? And I thought I was dreaming. She said exactly what I wanted. Um, And I said, are you saying this because you think I want to hear this? Because I'm willing to compromise if you have your own wants and desires and and your limitations. She said, nope, I think we are two puzzle pieces that match perfectly. I I love that. 
I'm going to be with you. Um, the other point I wanted to make, uh, what was it? It was uh, bringing up infidelity. Oh, yes. So for the women who think sex is not important and wouldn't want their partners to do that, and they're okay with not having sex in their relationship, if you're having a loyal partner, you're forcing that partner into celibacy. You are now controlling your partner's sex life. That's not fair. There's women who go through it too, not as much, but enough for it to be a problem. But if a man's loyal to you, you're forcing him to do something against his will. And women should not be forced to have sex at all. That is never a good case scenario. Right. But it is a, a selfish, possessive thing. If you are a woman and don't want to have sex to prevent your partner from having sex, that is, that is very unreasonable to me. That's cock control, ladies. It's cock control. That is. And, and then you ask them, what, well, then why would you have a problem if they slept with somebody else? The fear. They'll, they'll say, oh, because that's cheating. That's betrayal. We're, we're together. He's mine. The fear. The actual reason is that he might go sleep with somebody, say, oh, a woman who's actually into me that wants to be on top of me all the time. Why am I with her? That's the fear. Yeah, the fear that somebody else is going to provide better for your man. Exactly. And it's Mm -hmm. their inability to raise it up. And I I try to be empathetic with these people. I understand there's different levels on the sex spectrum of, of drive, but- at some point you have to say, okay, I need to work on this. I need, maybe it's because I haven't experienced an orgasm or that I haven't explored my body enough. Let's dive in the pool real quick. Let's throw caution to the wind and, and try. Yeah. But there's people that are not even willing to try. No. Um, and <laughs> this is kind of nihilistic on my part. Sex is the easiest thing you can do. That's why there's almost 8 billion people on this planet. Yep. It's not hard. It's not nope. difficult. Nope. It, it's, it's really not. We're equipped for it. it Literally we're programmed equipped. for it. Like we have the internal like curriculum for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. If, if it's, um, it's men's responsibility too, if their woman is not being satisfied, there are ways to learn about yeah. them. You, you explore, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to embarrass yourself. You're going to feel silly, but you need to explore with your partner. And at the beginning of stages of my new relationship, I said, what I want us to do is I want us to get in that bed and we're going to discover new land together. We are going to discover what we like and define the parameters of how we do this action. Because I, I immediately loved her. Yeah. Um, I said, I want to express my love in a way that you will feel it, that you will think about it the next day and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And then we spent that time exploring each other. And it, it is the most meaningful physical connection I've ever had in my life. I love that for and you. I wouldn't trade it for anything. That's awesome. And it's so, I, I, I want men. It's people get the idea that I'm just saying, oh, men are just perfect. We don't need to do anything. It's the woman's problem. No, men when I'm giving this advice to men or saying, you know, this is what women need to fix in their relationships. I want men to meet that equally. It same goes for them. It might be different things that they have to do, but I encourage men 
to build up intimacy with your partner. If they, if it takes certain things to get your partner there, do them. Yeah. It's simple. Yeah. For some men, it's just like done for a woman. It's this, it's this journey. It's this buildup. And if a man's not willing to do that, then if you're not having sex, it is your fault. Mm-hmm. It, it is. It's a two person thing. You have yeah. to take their feelings into consideration as well. Yeah. And also consider for a woman, just some mm-hmm. stats for you. It can take a woman anywhere from five to 45 minutes to become lubricated and aroused. So that's why foreplay is super important to women. And when so I say important, when I say foreplay, I'm not talking about like even just penetrating her with your fingers or just oral, like foreplay is, are you kissing her? Are you breathing mm-hmm. on her? Like, are you just close and touching? Right. Foreplay right. is so important. And, and that's what essentially lubricates a woman. So you have to give her time for that. The other thing that's really important is a sign of a, of a, of a healthy sex life is when there's laughter in the bedroom, right? Like when you can laugh at yourselves, cause you're like, Oh fuck, sorry. Oh shit. You know, <laughs> something silly happens. That's a sign that you're like, you're doing it right. Because yeah. it, it's such an organic and natural thing. But like, if you don't allow space for humor, which is humbling, right? Humor humbles us. If you yes. don't allow for that space, right? You're, you're arrogant ass lovers. And the other thing that's really important is talking to your partner. And, and just, and that's what a lot of people fear, right? If I go tell my partner, I feel like I'm clumsy in the bedroom. I feel like I, I don't know what you like. That makes them feel so insecure, but it's like your partner is the only one that can tell you what they mm-hmm. want. And you're the only one that they're going to answer that question to, right? We're not all telling everybody else our business. We want our partners to ask us what we like and what we want, what we're interested in, what we want to explore, what we want to try. And mm-hmm. we also need our partners to be vulnerable to each other and be like, hey, so like, I feel like I suck at this. And that's why I don't initiate because I, I just, I worry I suck at this. You know, what can we do about this? And just be open enough to have a conversation with each mm-hmm. other. And it's especially important, right? I hear this complaint from men is that when they do try to talk to their partner, their, their women make them feel ashamed for even asking, like, shouldn't you know? No, 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 because this is, this is our sexual relationship. I might have experience from the past, but you don't want me to bring those assumptions in here. You want me mm-hmm. to talk to you and be aware of what you like and what you want and what works for you and what doesn't. And it's important that we're having conversation because communication is also lubrication. So right. when we're, when we're comfortable with having a conversation with each other and having a conversation the next day, like I really liked what we did last night or that one thing you did last night, let's not do that again. Or, or let's try that again, or let's up that ante or do this or whatever it is. It's the conversation is super important, but Mm -hmm. being mindful that like the person we're talking to is the person we love. So we don't want to ridicule them or embarrass them or make them feel shame. We don't want to judge them or criticize them. We want to thank them and appreciate them for walking into this vulnerable space and being like, I just want to please you. I just want to make you happy. I just want to mm-hmm. satisfy you. I need pointers. And then say, thank you. Thank you for asking me. And then share, right? right. Sharing is caring. And it we is. need to do that with each other. And so, it's a form of communication. People hate yes. when I say uh, sex is a form of communication. Oh, communication is lubrication. Is. And yeah. And, and sex is the way that we express what we can't mm-hmm. verbalize. Definitely. Well, Definitely. Just how, how I've always been. Because I know as a man, I, I'm a, the equivalent to a bop it. 
it's easy. It's easy to solve that puzzle. I often refer women to Rubik's cubes. There's many different ways to solve a Rubik's cube. Uh, but if it's in a certain pattern, you have to do a certain pattern to get it back to solve state. And the solve state is the O. And I, I told my partner from the beginning, like, you're, you're doing great. I want to learn what gets you there because that's all I'm really concerned with. I know I'll get there. <clears throat> I know I'll get there. I want to know what gets you there. And I will spend any amount of time that you need. I work 12-hour shifts. I can spend two hours making sure my partner gets there. If that's what it takes, it doesn't take that long, but if it take, if it took that long, that's what a man is supposed to do. Yeah. And women are supposed to do the same thing. Yes. Um, some men are very complicated. It, it takes certain things for men to get there. Thank God that I'm simple, but, and my partner is very simple too. It's not like this. It's not like a battle. It's not like this. Oh, uh, annoying thing where when's it going to end? We just enjoy the moment. And no matter how short it is or how long it is, we're like, oh, we're, we're good for the day. Yeah. I got to express my love to you in a physical way. We're good for the day. Yeah. And it's supposed to be fun. Like you said, it's supposed to be clumsy. Um, they apologized to me for giggling one time. They're like, I'm not giggling at anything. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just I'm like, no, don't, don't apologize. Please. Well, however you express yourself, your inflections, please do that. Anything that if, if it, feels good for you and you're having a good time, express that in any way you want to. Yes. I would never shut that down and allowing them to feel safe. This is the main thing I'm talking to men. If you're listening right now, please hear this. It is your responsibility to listen to them and to make them feel beautiful, make them feel sexy, spend the time to learn what they like. Mm -hmm. You will not regret it. Nope. You will not. Sex is more complicated for women to get there. You have to put in the work. You have to put in the time and effort. Yeah. Um, and even outside of the bedroom, you need to facilitate this, this feeling that anytime that you're there, they know that you think highly of them, that you value them outside of their body. Yeah. Uh, other things. Because if a woman only feels valued for sex, of course, she's not going to want to have it. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's... If Something that's the that only time you're connecting and getting close to each other and touching each other is just the moments leading up to sex. Yes, definitely. That'll make a woman feel like, is that all he wants? Right. That is important, right? That What about cuddling on the couch, watching a movie right. together, discussing right. uh, issues that are going on in the world or personal Holding hands things. while you're grocery shopping. That's my favorite thing to do with my husband, right? And that's, that's what we joke and we call grocery shopping our date. We leave the kids <laughs> at home. We go grocery shopping. You know, it's cheaper that way because they don't throw all the shit in the cart, but we hold hands. There's a deli lady we even frequently visit and she's like, yeah, on a date again today. Is it date night? You know, but it's really simple things like just holding hands or, you know, I have a rule in my house. If I'm in the kitchen and my husband walks by me and he does not pay attention to my ass. Fuck you, dude. What's going on? What's wrong? Is something wrong? Are you stressed? It's sitting here. What are you doing? <laughs> And that's not sexual for me. That's like, that's, that's closeness, that's intimacy, that's acknowledgement, that's attention, that's affection for me. So maybe some women don't like their butt slapped while they're chopping celery, but I do. And it's, it's really easy. There are easy ways for men to just physically connect without that sex premise. Yeah. 
And that, that means so much to women is the closeness, the holding the hands, the kissing, right? I've advised couples. They don't kiss. They don't kiss. Mm. I don't like kissing. Why the fuck are you married? If you're kissing, don't like kissing. What the hell? So this is an issue. Let's work on this, right? I don't like to hold hands. I don't like touching people. You you shouldn't have gotten married. Number one. For one. Yeah. That's weird. But, you know, and no judgment. I get it. There's a lot of childhood stuff wrapped into that. That's why it is that way. But if you notice these things, if you say things while you're married, like, I don't like kissing. I don't like touching. I, I don't, I don't want to be touching skin. That's mm. something I would encourage you to look at and reflect on and, and maybe consider some therapy or coaching or something, yeah. because that's not a, that's not a typical human behavior at all. Yeah. That's not normal. And no. just because something is not normal, doesn't make you a, no, it doesn't make you wrong. It doesn't make you a freak. It doesn't mean that you're fucked up and forever unhealable or anything. It's just you can heal from anything. Oh, absolutely. Anything. We have uh, incredible healing powers and connection and just multiplies healing powers. That's right. why we need people. That's why we need partnerships is it adds to that healing component and is super important. With when you mentioned the whole buttock slapping in the kitchen, my partner will just randomly come up to me sometimes and just hold my face, run her fingers mm. through my beard and say, you are so handsome. Yeah. What I want to do is this, oh, but I can't. So I do that. I feel that on the inside. She makes me swoon. She makes me feel more attractive than I've ever felt in my life. And I'm not in the best shape I could be in, but she just, she'll come up to me randomly, hug me and say, I appreciate you so much for what you do for me and my daughter and how you make me feel and how you have opened my eyes. Cause she was in terrible relationships before me. And she says, it blows my mind that you are so patient with me on things and that you're so loving and caring. And I always respond to her with this. That is the default. That is something that's normal. I'm going to convince you this is normal. I am nothing special. This is how someone's supposed to treat someone they love. Yeah. And she makes me feel the same. I I want that for people. And there's just some people who can't and too, too bad. If you're with someone who needs that and you're not willing to provide it, you have to stop being selfish. Either you do the work or you show them mercy. It will hurt them, but show them mercy. My ex-wife showed me mercy, even that she did something that betrayed me and hurt me and sent me on a downward spiral. I needed that. Yeah, I truly needed that. I was going to stay with her no matter how much she ignored me or mistreated me and didn't respect me. I was going to stay with her because I had no self-worth. And I think you have to go through a tremendous amount of heartbreak to, to realize where you need to be. And we should also remember too, just because a relationship mm-hmm. ends, doesn't mean that you're a failure at relationships, right. right? Oftentimes we have to be willing to admit that relationships sometimes just have an expiration date and that's okay. And it says nothing about you. Right. I remember, especially watching my parents go through their divorce and I was in my thirties when this happened. And my mom took it as I'm a failure. I'm a loser. And my dad was like, well, that one didn't work out. And then he got remarried and he's happy now. But too often that happens where we take an end of a relationship to mean like that we're a bad person or that like, Mm. we don't know how to do anything, but it's just, sometimes the dynamic doesn't work between two people Mm. and that's okay. And we shouldn't judge ourselves and, and, and feel shame for that. You, 
you didn't fail at a relationship because you maintained it for as long as you did, but that Mm. was the duration of the relationship and it's now over. And Mm. there is life after the end of one relationship, right? Like, and monogamy doesn't mean what we claim it, what it really means, right? Monogamy used to mean one person for the rest of my life. And now it's just one person at one time. So we're coming Mm -hmm. to acknowledge what monogamous means. It's not till death do us part anymore. It would be nice if we all had that kind of reverence and regard for that covenant of marriage, but that's not the way it is. And that's fine. My husband's divorced, right? He was married before me, Mm -hmm. but we can, we can do it again. I see so many men, especially on my, you know, relationship advice videos where they're like, and I'm done forever. And I'm like, no, don't do that. Please don't cut yourself off from love and connection just because it didn't work here does not mean it's not going to work for you. It just means that that it didn't work for you with that person, right? That person didn't work for you. So I guess, I guess my last encouraging word would be for just like all people to just please know that an end of a relationship says nothing about you. It just says something about that dynamic that didn't work. And there is love out there. There is love out there for everybody. There is. If you open up your heart and your mind to it, you will receive it. Absolutely. I agree with you. And I will get married again one day. Yes. I I want to know about that. I want to know about that. Make, make sure you let me know where you're going to register. I'll send you a gift. Um, Thank you. I appreciate that. Yes. Well, I, I really appreciate all this time you shared with me today. I thank you so much for coming on as a guest. Absolutely. Uh, I hope we can do this again soon. Anytime. Um, Cause I love having repeat guests, especially when there's just more stuff we can dig into and break apart and help explain for, sure. for people. Um, I would love to have you on my podcast whenever you're free. Uh, whenever you just say the word and I'll be there awesome. for you. I love that. Um, just for the audience listening, can you please just let them know where they can find you on TikTok, and I'll be sure to put everything else in the show notes so they can connect with you. But for the time being, how can they find you, Justin? Uh, so I have a channel on TikTok called Don't Panic with Justin. Um, I also have a podcast on rss.com slash podcasts slash Don't Panic Podcast. And you can also find the video version of my podcast on YouTube. Just look up Don't Panic with Justin. You'll see my stupid face. You'll you'll see. Oh, your face isn't stupid. It's great. <laughs> Fuzzy and rugged and handsome. Thank you Ginger so much, Justin. Bear. Yes. <laughs> thank thank you. you so much. This has been wonderful. And to the listeners, thank you. Be sure you go check out Don't Panic with Justin. Thank you. Let's do this again. Uh, yes. You take care. <laughs>